This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we are talking to Luis Duque, PE, member of ASCE, and a member of SEI, a bridge engineer at Foothills Bridge. Luis was previously seen on episode seven of the Structural Engineering Podcast, where he talked about the use of drones in structural engineering inspections and how drones will impact bridge inspections. In this episode, we will be talking to him about what it's like working as a structural engineer while having a strong online presence. I'm your co-host, Matt Cardle. And I'm your co-host, Kara Green. Now let's jump into our conversation of the week with Luis. Before we dive in, we'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the PE structural exam. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the PE structural exam the first time. PPI's PE structural course is fully updated and taught with October 2021 code references and includes new editions of their PE structural books. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the resources available for PE structural exam prep. Now let's dive into today's episode. Luis. Welcome back to the show. For our listeners who may not know you, can you please tell them a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do? I'm a bridge engineer here in Colorado. I'm a licensed professional engineer. Got my license last year. We do a lot of bridge demolition, bridge retrofit, anything related to like temporary structures around bridges. So really interesting and like unique work that we get to do. We have a, a small team of engineers and we have projects all over the US, which is a lot of fun to work on these projects and some of them are, are really big like the golden gate bridge and some really well-known bridges across the u.s so it's a lot of fun to get exposed to the construction engineering how these things work like thinking about stability when you are erecting an all girder or removing a bridge that sometimes you may need to remove in one piece sometimes you need to remove little piece by little piece and it's always different even if the bridge is similar this different challenges restraints and and it's a lot of fun to really dive into those like construction engineering topics as an engineer, that's kind of what I do during the day. I also have kind of my side business. It's called Engineering Future, mainly the podcast where I just talk with other engineers, helping students and younger engineers in their careers, how to prepare for the PE exam, how to find a job, how to craft a resume, 
what are the skills they need to become successful, how they can become leaders. Some of the things that are really not taught in school. And, and I don't know, really thought when you're a younger engineer, you're just kind of expected to know your technical stuff. But if you don't develop these skills, and I think they're very important skills, it's going to be hard to advance in, in your career and anything you're doing. So I work as a bridge engineer during the day, and I do kind of this side business, entrepreneurial side hustle, whatever you want to call it, during the evening. And it's been a lot of fun to just meet a lot of people and, and interview amazing engineers. First, congratulations on getting your, was it your PE? Yes. I also got mine this year. Nice. Thank you. Congratulations to you too. Ah, thank you. Luis, I, I know you're in that unique position of what you just mentioned, where you are working in the structural engineering industry full time, but then as side business or after work, then you have your online presence, your podcast, your, your website and your services. What is it like having that online presence while doing all that and essentially juggling both at the same time? I imagine there's probably driving motivation factor for you and, and things like that. So what's that like? I honestly, it's a lot of fun. And I tell my supervisor, my, the owner of the company, uh, whoever I'm working with, is that my main job is to be an engineer. I am an engineer first, and these things kind of come second. Like I'm sure when you were preparing for the SE exam, your content on YouTube, your things kind of outside of work really took a step back and you were focusing on your career. And I think it's similar. A lot of the things that I do online is to help other engineers based on my experience as I just navigate being a young engineer. I'm four or five years out of school at this point. And when I went to school, I didn't know these answers. I was curious to learn how do you become successful? How do you become a great project manager? How do you better use your time to deliver better results for the clients? And some of these things you don't really see in school. You see how to design a beam, how to design a column, how to know the technical stuff. But once you graduate, you kinda, you're on your own trying to figure out all of these things to really increase in your career, find a job, find a resume. How do you study for the P exam? I think was the most recent one. I, I took exam last year and it was during COVID. So I couldn't take the course that I wanted to take with ASCE. There was not a lot of groups in the area that I could collaborate with. So I ended up taking it and studying by myself this whole time. And then I created this course that we can talk more later if you want. But it really taught me the importance of having these skills, even if you don't use them right now at work, eventually you're going to need to know how to manage projects, how to really manage your time, how to manage others. And you only develop these skills by practicing, by getting involved with organizations, by really being involved in all these things. And I think the beauty of this thing that I'm doing outside of work is that really brings a lot of value to my day job. It's not something separate. It's not like I'm starting a business on traveling. I'm starting a business on something separate. It really brings them together, which is really amazing. And I've seen a lot of growth in my career as a result of that. You know, for things like this, it's related to the structural engineering industry, civil engineering industry. I like to think of it where it's your way of giving back. So some ways that I think of is ASCE, YMF, joining organizations. I, that's one way that I definitely recommend. But at least with the internet nowadays, you can do something like this, which it's helping those people, the younger engineers out or the students that want to get into it. It's another way, another avenue for young professionals or that are already in it. Yeah. And I'll say it doesn't need to be complicated, like a YouTube channel, a podcast that takes a lot of time. We're just simply sharing thoughts on LinkedIn. Like this is what I learned today. I thought this project was interesting. Here are some of my takeaways. And you think that people don't find that valuable because like it's easy for you. It's simple to reflect those experiences. But the more you share, the, gonna, the more you're going to find out that a lot of people really resonate with those topics. There are engineers that are one year of school that 
don't know as much as I do. There are engineers that are 10 years out of school that I don't know as much as they do. So there is always the range of knowledge that if you share what you're working on right now, if you share your experience, what you're doing right now, there's always a group of people that are going to find that super valuable. And I also think it touches on, and this is something I've heard just from students, is there's almost like when you think about structural engineering when you're in school, obviously you're in the depth of calculations and that's what you think that your job is likely going to be. But the reality is, is that there's like a, essentially like a black box around what you do on a day-to-day basis as a structural engineer. I mean, this channel really tries to shed light on it, but also with the work that you're doing, you're giving them insight on what to expect. And I think that's very important. It gives them a little bit more confidence, I think, instead of feeling maybe anxiety as they leave school where everything is very structured and they're going into you know their official big girl, big boy job. It really kind of sheds light on some of the, I think, alternative work that structural engineers do, like the communication skills, the people management skills that you have to project management skills. I think that's really important, especially for younger engineers who may not know all of the different avenues that you kind of take in the structural engineering profession. You do have quite a strong online presence. Do you feel as though that has helped you in your engineering career? I think the value that comes with that is more on the networking side, just meeting new people and seeing what's out there, learning new ways to do work, new technologies, attending conferences to educate myself technically and just network other people. I think in, in this day and age, little things like that, just knowing people in certain companies, knowing how people communicate, knowing what's the best way to approach an owner of a company if you want a job. These little things make a huge difference. So I think more than just having an online presence that it's helping me in my career is I think at the end of the day, just creating that network of people that I know if I need to, if I, at some point in my career, I say, I'm going to write a book. I know I can reach out to Stephanie. She's a, a, the author of She Engineers and an amazing engineer. And I'm going to be able to just talk to her about like, okay, what's the process of writing a book? If I want to know about structural engineering in California, I know I have Matt that I can reach out to him and say, hey, how do you sign a build in California? I know there's a lot of seismic, there's little things. And just creating that network, I think is important because at some point in your career, you're going to have questions that are going to be hard to answer if you are just in your own bubble at work and you don't expand that network through, throughout the US. I know people from East Coast, the West Coast, from the North to the South, and it's great to see and cultivate those connections. And a lot of them have just come through social media, through going to networking events and, and everything. But I think the power is just in having that network of people that you can always count on if you have questions, if you need resources, if you need anything in your career, you can always tap into that network. They used to do that back in the day when they didn't have internet. You'd have to you know, meet one-on-one, but it's exponential now with an online presence. I think what's very strong about yours is if you Google your name, your website pops up. I think that's huge. It's uh, you're Googleable. Yes. You're the first thing that pops up. Google search engine optimization has found you. And I think that's huge because, uh, yeah, if someone wants to know more about you and they just Google you, it's, yeah, you're LinkedIn, but you got a cool website and you're doing all these things for the structural engineering industry. Who knows what that stuff can bring, whether it's job prospects or someone needs help with with bridge engineering or students or whatever, they'll find you online. I think that's a huge part. And um, I think, like you said earlier, it helped you develop all of those other skills, communication skills, technical skills, project management skills. 
it allowed you to share it with a lot of people as well because of your online presence. And you also have, you mentioned the PE exam prep courses. I noticed some of your LinkedIn posts and where you're sharing a lot of things about the, specifically the PE structural exam. Could you elaborate more about that and uh, why you wanted to do that and how that's helping uh, the engineers that are trying to take that exam? Just to clarify, it's for the PE civil with the structural debt, because some people, even recently, was the structural engineering exam was renamed PE structural, which is a little confusing. Is the PE civil, the structural debt, which is the one I took last year. And I think I'll start with just, again, sharing my experience on the podcast, seeing how successful those podcast episodes were, how much people really were interested in those, how many questions were still around those, those exams and taking the information I learned from studying by myself for four or five months, using some of the resources that I had, PPI, School of PE, the Civil Engineering Academy, some of the things that are out there that are doing a great job of just teaching you technical information. I think AAC has a few courses as well, but they don't really teach you how can you study better. As engineers, we're really busy. I'm sure you both know how hard engineering is. Sometimes you work 50, 60 hours, depending on your industry. A lot of people around our age are trying to get families, are trying to see new opportunities. With the limited time that we have, it's very important that we use it the best we can. So that's kind of why I started sharing these resources. I first created a free version of the PE study guide, just basic information. This is what my experience was taking exam. Here are some resources to get you started. And this is kind of the process that you can use to study for the exam. If that's all you're looking for, the free one is great. It has the basic information. It's going to tell you the best kind of study plan and some of the things that you need to, to pass the exam. If you are looking for the more advanced one, then we dive into like science-based study techniques. I'm going to teach you how do you learn? Like, are you a visual learner? Are you an auditory learner? How do you learn better? Because that's going to be key to your study plan. If you follow some of the just regular technical presentations and study guides, maybe that's not the best way you learn. Maybe you learn better by actually drawing a mind map and see how these, all these topics connect with each other. Then we dive into those study techniques. There are about four or five that are different depending on your learning style. Time management, obviously, as engineers, we're busy. We want to maximize the time we use. And then we dive into the study plan, how to create a study plan. We create a study table to keep track of everything, keep track of the wins. We have monthly office hours to really answer any question about the course, the exam, or anything. And it's been great to just see how the people are using this information, applying them, and really making them think differently. Because sometimes you're on your second or your third time taking the exam, and you continue doing the same things and expecting you're going to pass. But sometimes you need to do something different. And I hope that this course kind of fills that gap of how to study for the exam. And the strategy, as I'm sure we all know from taking those tests, it's strategy has a lot to do with it. And sometimes you just don't know what you're doing wrong and getting other people's takes, especially from people that have recently passed uh, like you is definitely worthwhile. Yeah, and I also think, you know, it's been really helpful since they've changed the requirements because I feel like when you're in college, you're actually better at taking the exam because you're used to taking tests. I remember I took mine about, it was like right around three or four years out because in Alabama, they still required the four-year requirement of working under a licensed PE before you could apply to take it. And then when I moved to Texas, they had removed that requirement. But I remember like taking the test actually was incredibly difficult because it was just like a shock to your system of having to be like so focused on just the design, you know, your design, because I took civil as well and having to 
essentially have a strategy on how to tackle a test. I remember doing practice tests for eight hours, which was always a blast at home. (laughs) You do have a full-time job and you just finished your PE. So that is a, a time suck off of your schedule, but you're still doing all of these things. You know, you have your podcast, you know, For maybe some of our listeners who maybe struggle with a work-life balance, do you have a way or a strategy that you apply to help maximize your productivity while also excelling in all of these different things that you do? I think the most important part is just having clear rules for yourself, for your family, and what really the priority is. Like, I know for me, family is first. I have three kids, so they take a lot of time. So weekends are exclusive for family. That is... I don't schedule anything during the weekends. Uh, that's the kind of the sacred time to spend time with family and really spend time with them. And also we have some time in the afternoon after work and, be, and before bedtime. Again, we're kind of focusing on our family and spending time together. Work is kind of important because that's, again, that's my first, my daytime job. That's what I love to do. I love engineering. I love what I do at work. So having a schedule, I think is important. Just knowing I'm going to be working from eight to five and just using that time to really put everything I got into work, just being the best engineer I can be, communicating, doing whatever I need to do to excel at that job. That's kind of that time for that. Obviously, Engineer Future podcast, the courses, everything else kind of goes around those two priorities. And usually happens between 7 to 9 a.m. in the morning. That's kind of the schedule I've been following for the last few weeks. I try to wake up very early before anyone in my house is awake so I can get some exercise, so I can do some writing, do some planning. And that's helped a lot. I started doing it in the evening a while ago, and I just found that I was too tired. I, was, I didn't have any energy after work, after spending time with family. I was just, I wasn't being productive. So knowing those energy levels, I think is very important. Right now, I go to bed consistently at 10 p.m. and wake up at 5 a.m. And then that's kind of my day. And whatever I can feel in the morning is great. If I get a podcast episode this week, great. Sometimes I fall behind because there are other priorities that are taking place. And I just do a rerun for my older episode. That's okay, too. So having the mindset of this is the time that I have to put into this project in terms of my side business and seeing what comes out of it and not stressing about, okay, this is all people that have all day and they're producing a podcast a day and they're producing this newsletter a day. It's easy to compare to them, but it's hard to realize how much time they're putting behind the scenes to do all this content. So knowing what your limitations are, knowing where you can tap into some automation, maybe hiring people if you have the resources and really just being conscious of what you can offer during that time that you have available, I think is probably the number one thing that people can analyze and see what their limits are. The blocking out time thing, I think it's really crucial. And when you actually start taking track of your time, and I'm sure you've seen this too, uh, people ask you like, how do you do that? And with family and et cetera. And then it's when you audit your time, it's, I think most people, it would be how much time do you spend on the internet or watching Netflix or watching those TV shows? What if you put that binge watching of one series that's like eight hours. What if you put that into something else that you enjoy? Like you're saying, you know, find that time and the most important time, make it sacred. And I think you'll be surprised at all the other time that you have left that could be used for maybe more productive or things that you enjoy. Like if you enjoy Netflix, I think that's great. But if uh, maybe if you want to do podcasts or improve your online presence, that can uh, take some priority as well. And I try to like schedule all these things kind of the week ahead or sometimes just like a recurring event. So, you know, like that's the time I'm doing this thing. 
I watch TV in the evenings. I just have leisure time. I, you need to rest at some point. I'm not going to be able to work from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. constantly. That's why I shifted that time to early in the morning because that's where I have the most energy. I'm able to get through work without no problem, spend some time in family. And then after 7.30 or 8, I'm completely exhausted and just watch some TV or read a book or just lay around in the house and not do anything. But if you are planning your day on the fly, then you're going to be tired when you want to do things you want to do. You're not prioritizing your energy levels. You're not really looking at the balance that we're trying to accomplish. And it's going to be really hard to really get anything done if you're constantly tired and constantly burned out. Every one of us operates at a different energy levels and taking advantage of it like you have something that uh, I think we can all do better. I am also a morning workouter. I've tried the afternoon workouts and they're so sad. But I think that's really good, especially for our younger engineers who may feel the need to constantly work in order to excel in their position because, you know, maybe they want to be top of their team, which is always great to strive for. But I think setting boundaries on your time, especially for work and really something you mentioned was like when you're at work, you're focused on work. That can be so helpful and it helps kind of minimize having to work outside of working hours. That's an important point for maybe not even just our younger engineers who listen, but for maybe those who have kind of lost the boundaries around their working time. Yeah. And just something to add there is, I mean, I get this question a lot. Like I'm sure the two of you also get this question, but is how do you get this much done? And a lot of people think that you're working 40, 50 hours at your job, and then you go home and working on 20 hours a week on your activities and everything. But in reality, it's just being smart with your time and like doing what's possible for your energy levels. And I'm trying to do a little bit better job, but just sharing kind of those things online. Because if you see my website, if you see the podcast, you will think that I'm working another 40 hour job on top of my day job. That's not really the case. I rarely pick up a computer in the weekend. I spend time with family on Sundays. I don't do anything. I take those completely off from social media, from the computer, from anything. I try to just squeeze everything that I can in the mornings. And again, maybe one or two evenings if I'm feeling like I have the energy to do that. But it's not all about doing the work and working hard to do everything. It's just being conscious of what you're capable of with. It's okay to, again, in my case, not do a podcast a week and and just have a rerun. Nobody's really going to care. I've done that a few times here because I've been tired. I've been not feeling like I, I have the energy to record that. But it's just, again, having that balance and having the time to rest and, and just recover. That it's, it's very important. Switching gears to more of the career advice that I know that you got. During this time, there's a lot of uh, companies that are doing annual reviews. I think that's one of the things that are probably going to be relevant to a lot of engineers at this moment. Do you have any advice on how engineers can interact with their supervisors or any tips that you think that can help them with their annual reviews? I think the most important part to realize is that the annual review is not just one day or one week deal, depending on the company. Anything that gets talked about in the annual review shouldn't be a surprise either for you or for your supervisor. All these things should be communicated during the year maybe having like a mid-year checkpoint and seeing how your goals are going, what the expectations are. And I think having that frequent communication throughout the year doesn't need to be a formal annual review every three months or every six months. 
but just having that clear communication, like here are my goals. Is there something I'm doing wrong? Can you please tell me so I can fix it? I tell that that exact same thing to my supervisors. Like if there's anything or there's ever something I'm doing wrong that you don't like that may cause miscommunication, conflict, just let me know. Like don't hold it back because you think I'm going to be offended because I'm not going to be offended. Because if you're not telling me that something you, something I did you didn't like or a type of communication wasn't working, maybe it was emailing about project instead of calling, it's going to be hard to find that communication balance. So everything that gets stuck in these annual reviews, I think should be clear and shouldn't be a surprise for either the supervisor or yourself. And everything should just be communicated throughout the year. Maybe more annual, was it? Just checking in with your manager and maybe have semi-formal or not so formal annual reviews. That's good advice because I think everyone forgets after a year. Like, how are you going to remember things <laughs> for a year? I have like an informal chat with my manager once a week. It's officially on my calendar. But he also, when I'm in the office, he sits like right behind me. And so like, it's literally just a quick turnaround of like, hey, this is going on. And it's so easy to have that open communication. But I think that's important is like really kind of tailoring your communication towards like the best for you and your manager is really helpful. And it helps also keep things on track for the company so that they can help maybe leverage resources to support you if something's going wayward. To end off here, and this is kind of interesting question because I think a lot of engineers are our age are interested. Do you have any final advice for engineers who are considering broadening their online presence? I think the main thing there is like, don't compare yourself with other people that are doing maybe more things that you're doing right now. I think we all started from zero. The podcast started two and a half years ago from zero. I didn't know anything about podcasting. I started recording my phone. And the first like 10 episodes were just recorded on my phone and send it out. That's honestly all I did at the beginning. So starting small and starting with things that you're passionate about. I really liked having the conversations with other engineers, having the conversation with people that I admire. And I think the audio form at the beginning was easy for me instead of having a camera in front of me and having to talk and, and do all this editing. I think that was kind of a platform that was easy for me. Other people may enjoy writing more. So they maybe write small articles on LinkedIn and share it, or maybe start a, a newsletter on a free site like Substack or something else and send it to your subscribers. I think the most important part is just sharing what you're learning and creating that online presence that, like Matt was saying, like people search my name on, on Google right now and they see my website, they see the things that I'm doing. They have a record of all the things that I'm doing. So if I ever wanted to look for a new job, if I ever wanted to do something different, opportunity within ASE, being part of a comedy, anything, people can look me up and say, okay, this person has talked about this topic for this many years and there's kind of a, a solid record of everything I've done. You don't need to start on the website and everything that complicated. Simply share on LinkedIn, I think it's great. There's a lot of engineers out there. There's a lot of people that are recruiting if you're looking for jobs. There are a lot of people that are interested in what you have to say. So starting small, starting sharing your thoughts on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, whatever is really important and it doesn't cost anything. And I think the upside is, is huge. So I know there's a lot of students on those platforms. And when they see someone like you that's passionate and that's sharing knowledge about civil engineering, it's kind of like inception. It's like, that's cool. Maybe I might look into that for my career or whatnot. And just getting them interested, knowing that it's out there. Uh, I think that's great. And if more engineers did that, just even posting stuff, little stuff like that, it's, I think it'll help the next generation. 
Yeah. And it gives visibility to the career for sure. Yeah. Thanks so much, Louisa. Appreciate what you're doing. And uh, we'll share your links if you guys uh, aren't able to find them. But yeah, thanks again for coming on and sharing all of this with us. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I've been, been a big fan from of this podcast since the beginning. And I was here, it feels like two, three years ago. And it's fun to see how much it's grown and, and all the amazing conversations the two of you are having with great engineers. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 86, as well as any links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.com dot org.